Hey, what's up, friends? Welcome to another edition of the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking some questions, interviewing thinkers, having some real honest conversations about what it looks like for us to lead the next generation. And I'm Brett, and today I'm thrilled to be joined with my buddy Louie. Hello, everybody. Charlie. Hey, friends. And first time on the podcast, our buddy JM. Woo-woo. Hey. Hey. (laughs) All right, so JM, first time on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Well, my name is JM. I've been doing youth ministry for over 20 years. Uh, Yeah, so it's been a minute. Uh, (laughs) I've had an opportunity to be at churches of five and uh, more than that. (laughs) So the attentions of money, I'm excited to talk about at all levels. All levels. All levels. So across the board in those 20 years, you've been in multiple states, multiple contexts, multiple denominations. Been around. So you've you've got some experience on both ends of the spectrum. So... I know stuff. If it's a new youth leader with a youth group of like three people, or if it's like veteran youth leader and they've got hundreds, you've got some experience, some stories of sitting in those seats. I've been there. I've been there. (laughs) Very cool. Well, today the title is How to Have a Five-Star Youth Ministry on a Shoestring Budget, Uh, which I know for most of you that are listening, it's probably hard to relate because you're probably listening to this podcast and thinking like, I almost skipped this one because I have... I've got 99 problems, but my, my budget, my budget, my youth budget is not one of those because you just get donations every day, parents calling saying, what new couches can, can I offer? Oh, yeah. Your, new couches. Yeah. Right. That's what those all parents do, right? It's not like old couches or anything like that. So obviously this is uh, probably one of the most universal things in youth ministry that we can always commiserate about and we can always strategize about because we never quite have everything that we wish we could financially with a budget, right? Yep. Absolutely. So what are some of the tensions that, that we've all experienced in some way when it comes to trying to figure out, how am I going to pay for this? Or how am I actually going to get this to work where it's not a distraction or, or whatever it is? What are, what are some of those tensions you guys have felt? My first year in ministry, I was allowed to spend $500 for 12 months. 12 months, okay. guys. Not just a week, Louis. That was the whole year. And so how do you make $500 stretch, right? How do you make that build an effective ministry? So so you went to the horse track. Yep. And I laid it all down. <laughs> just kidding. Gambling I, is... Should we, we shouldn't talk about gambling, no, right? No, probably not. so bad. I think the tension, too, is between making something sexy and making something quality. Um, so gambling and sexy, we're just, yeah. we're, we're we're just going right for it here. Well, because if it's, if it's deep, then you want it to be attractive. But yeah. if you can't get them in the door because you're using clip art, it's a hard thing. Yeah. So how do you make it attractive and at the same time relational, yeah. uh, meaningful, so that they come back? I think another tension is just, especially now, people are able to see other student ministries all over the place. Yeah. Um, social media, websites, conferences, all those kinds of things. And it's just that whole comparison thing of like, how come I don't have the cool things that they have? Right. And if I did, somehow more students would be coming to my deal every week and just getting caught in that trap of trying to keep up with what you see out, out there at other places. Yeah, because it's hard because there's this balance between like we want to be we want to be authentic mm-hmm. in youth ministries and we and we recognize that like the stuff isn't the stuff isn't the purpose of that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like students are staring at thousand dollar screens that they keep in their phones. Yep. Like they go home to you know forty to seventy inch you know flat screen TVs a lot of times and 
they come to church and I was joking about couches earlier, but they come to church and there's three-legged couches that probably aren't good enough to be at Goodwill. Right. And the only places that CRT tube TV still exist are in the churches of America. And you know, and you know what yeah. I mean? And it's yeah. like, you know, there's an unspoken communication that I think that happens, especially for people that don't really have a church background, that they walk in the doors to a youth room and they And it smells like grandma's basement. Right. And <laughs> yeah. there's a perception of like, okay. In some way, students walk into your rooms, and the way that they perceive you care about them, they also probably subconsciously perceive that that's the way God feels about them. Mm. And if they walk into a room that looks like it's, you know, not just like secondhand stuff, but mm. like third and fourth hand stuff and a ping pong table that's like a peepaw table because like half of it's gone, <laughs> only half of it's there, or the paddles are broken, or you know what I mean? It just sends. The, a message that I know I always really struggled with because I didn't want to care about those things. I didn't want to sacrifice, you know, getting kids to camp or getting kids to be able to go on to retreats and help offset the money for that with just, you know, having a better projector or having nicer couches. But at some point, there's just tension of, but I want them to understand how much we care about them and their friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think as a parent, too, when you walk in, you look around and go, okay, this church doesn't care about youth ministry. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean about the other things that my student is going to experience in their journey with this ministry? If you guys can't even buy them chairs to stand up, yeah. well, are you finding good leaders? Are you paying enough attention to youth ministry to know that these things are important? And if not, what else are you neglecting? And I think that you know, like first impressions are everything. Yeah. So when you walk in the door, if in the same way, if your youth worker is dressed up in a five piece suit, you know, fully with the bow tie and everything, that's going to send a message that is interpreted on the other end. So the couches and the torn carpet. And if it's just dirty, yeah, it says something. And so are they, is your church paying enough attention to what is important uh, to give people a positive first impression? Yeah. I think part of that too. Sometimes churches are like, "Well, they're you know they're students, they're teenagers. It really doesn't matter. They're used to hanging out in people's basements and things like that." But the other thing to think about is your adult volunteers that you are recruiting to your ministry to serve those students, either in a guest services type role or as a small group leader. Is are you creating an environment for them that they want to pour their lives right. into, where they want yeah. to? either wake up early on a Sunday morning or give up one of their weeknights um, to go be a part of this. And then they're looking around going, is this really prioritized? I'm, I'm making this a priority in my life. And it doesn't seem like this church or this ministry is making a priority in theirs. So not to discourage the guy who can't buy couches, um, who maybe this is the only impression that you get because there's no other money. There's a, that's a double-edged sword. Sometimes the stuff can get distracting. Absolutely. And I think if you have time, then you don't need as much money. But if you don't have money, then you need to spend more time. And yeah. so when a person comes and a student comes in, if your youth room isn't the best first impression, I think your face is a great first impression. The welcoming feel of a place can overcome a lot of that stuff. So while we want to say, hey, man, make sure that you are fighting for every dollar that you can get to invest back into students. If you can't get more dollars, like the $500, right. $50 a week or $50 a month budget, then what else can you accent to yeah. offset that insurmountable obstacle? Um, or maybe I think we're going to talk too about other ways around that. Yeah. Yeah. So we could probably share stories for hours about the time that we 
you know, bought the thing that was $50 instead of $400 because it was only $50 and it ended up, you know, breaking a week later or something along those lines. But let's let's kind of jump into this idea of, okay, you know, five-star ministry is kind of what we used in, in the title here. So a growing, healthy, five-star, top-notch, vibrant, whatever language we want to use ministry. So what are some aspects of that that don't have anything to do with money? So JM, kind of like what you're saying, like you don't have the couches, you don't have the money to get nice, nice couches. You've got a, you know, a, a projector that won't even get a VeggieTales VHS to work at its highest resolution. But what can what can those ministries really focus on and make sure they have, even if they don't have the money for certain things? I mean, I think that that relationship. So the lights in the show get people to come the first time, but return return customers come back for relationship. Yeah. And so. Uh, the things that are that are crucial are that you know a student's name, that you are following up with them throughout the week, um, all the things that we we know to do, but sometimes get distracted by the things that we don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the word need is a real strong word that we throw around in youth ministry. We need a new projector. Really, do you need it? Mm. I don't know that we need those things. Students don't need a new projector. They don't need a new TV. They need someone who loves them. They need to know that Jesus Christ is available to them. And so if we have to use or if we get to use a TV to, to communicate that, that's great. But they need to be cared for and, and loved on when they come in. And, and that first face that's welcoming, that's a big deal. Yeah. I totally agree. And it can't just be the uh, youth pastor or the student ministry director, you know, the, the quality of the adults that are in the room, whether it's other small group leaders or um, other adults that are helping host the night or the day, whatever you, whenever you meet, the, the quality of those people in the room, it determines a lot. And those people are already right there yeah. in your church. They're already a part of that. And, um, and yes, there's, free, right? yeah, yeah. Well, there's yeah. money, there's obviously money you can spend on the back end to create a great experience for them for the months and years that they serve in your ministry right. and help create a great culture for them. But talking to them about the vision of what you want to accomplish and um, how they can play a big role in making a difference in students' lives that part of it's free. You know, I'm in a parking lot for years. We didn't have space inside of our church for a youth ministry. And we hung out in the parking lot with a sleeve of tennis balls. <laughs> and, and that was it, right? What did right? you do with the tennis balls? <laughs> we Juggle. played wall ball, guys. Wall ball. Oh, I love Yeah, I just bounced ball. it off. The, right? Mm-hmm. JM knows yes, what I'm talking about. I would about. go play that right now. Right. So it wasn't... In podcast. <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> Next week's podcast. <laughs> but wall ball tennis balls, whatever. Um, that's not why kids were coming to my church, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything sparkly fancy, but it was the people who believed in them and understood the mission behind what we were doing. And those kids like poured in every week. Mm -hmm. And I think what you were talking about, Louie, is really important that everybody feels it, Mm -hmm. that there is a pride that's not about what we have, but about who we're about, Mm -hmm. um, and what it is that we do. Like these are the things that we do. We do, uh, welcoming. We do wall ball. We do, you know, how cool is it? We meet in a parking lot. You, you mean a church? That's lame. We mean a parking lot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> making yeah. what you do, the thing I think is huge. If they feel an ownership, no matter what it is you do, that you're, they're in, yeah. that they're a part of something, man, that, that just gives me goosebumps thinking about a student feeling like, you know, we meet in the, the weirdest place you've ever heard of. Isn't that great? Yeah. Um, well, and to, and to me, like that's culture, like culture yep. doesn't cost you anything like right. culture. 
culture I would argue to an culture extent. Culture costs you everything. Well, that's true. <laughs> financially, financially, you know, that's right. I think culture can be maybe in, in, enhanced with certain things. Like yeah. you can make things feel a certain way. You can make things look a certain way. Like that can. But the way that you create culture with you know, the, the values that you have, we want to be authentic. We want to value relationships. You know, a lot of that comes down to what are the systems that we're creating? What's the, the strategies that we have, like for you to have a system in place on how, how you make sure someone who comes for the first time feels welcomed and they get followed up with and different mm-hmm. things like that. Like that doesn't like, sure. That, your, That's not your budget doesn't really, you know, sure, maybe you can't send them a gift basket that costs you $20, but, you know, you're probably not going to do that even if you do have the budget money. There are better things to spend money on. So when it comes to your systems, when it comes to your strategy, when it comes to the culture that we're trying to create, that seems to be such an important part of a growing, effective youth ministry that doesn't necessarily cost you anything extra. Well, I think creating culture is hard work and takes time, mm-hmm. you know, months, if not years to establish that. In your ministry, I think sometimes people look at something they could purchase for their student ministry as a quick fix. Is if we can get this, then yeah. our students will really love it, or then we will attract this certain type of student that we're trying to reach, rather than in the meantime be doing that hard work of creating culture with their students and with their volunteers. Yeah, I think the, there's an ancient proverb that goes, uh, you know, mo money, mo problems. Um, <laughs> I've heard that. That. I think can become a, a thing whenever you have the new TV, whenever you have the new game system, mm-hmm. whenever you have, you have to worry about, is it secure? Is it locked up? Do we need to repair it? Yeah. And you're, I have found myself busy about making sure all the stuff is turned on and working and everybody's happy with what it is and neglected five minutes with a student who needed to talk. So while the stuff does enhance, if your leaders see you doing stuff instead of being with people, doing is so much easier sometimes than being. Right. And Sometimes we think it's stuff that we do or can buy to make it easier to do things. When students don't really, I don't know that they come back for that. They come back because we're with them. We yeah. are taking time to be. Jesus didn't have a, you know, a pillow. I don't feel like that would have been expensive. <laughs> Just something, but rocks is what he chose. And he didn't even have the same rock every night. <laughs> Had to take whatever rock was there. So, you know, being is better than doing. How do you like segue for that one, baby? <laughs> I love that. So, so what is worth spending money on then? So, obviously, we know like we we want to we want to recruit and develop adult leaders. We want them to understand what their role is, to understand the vision, to passionately build relationships and lead students. We want to create this culture. We want to make sure that we have these certain values that we that we uphold and we create that culture through. So, what what are the things in your experience? that have been worth spending the money on to enhance those things? I would spend 75% of my budget on my leaders, training them, taking them to events, uh, making sure they had with the tools that they needed to be equipped to lead our students. Mm. And I think that really reflected in my ministry because when I invested in them, then the return was better for them to be a part of the lives of our students, and they felt equipped to do that. It was a hard shift, though, for me to think about changing the way I budgeted over the years because I would budget more for retreats or mission trips or money for couches, right? Yeah. So it was really a shift in my leadership skills to start budgeting more for my leaders so that they could be better equipped. I would say too that on top of that, any events that we do, that's where a lot of ministry stuff pays off. So making sure that every student can get on that trip is a big deal. So investing in them, finding ways to get them on that trip 
those are the places where they say you can get you know a week's worth of ministry time right. in one day mm-hmm. on a retreat. Um, and students typically remember the event. And so getting a student off campus, getting them out of what is typical for them, we would spend a lot of, of our resources on that. And not necessarily all of our money, but making sure that we had enough leaders to get there yep. who were encouraging their small groups to get there. The events are where we found the ministry time really paid off. Mm. And I think when it comes to like the large group of your weekly thing, you know, everybody thinks you've got to go all out and have moving right. lights and all these things. And those things can be fun. But uh, just some of the places I've been able to go around and see kind of the, I wouldn't say the bare minimum because you could definitely do it without these things. But if you could only pick a couple of those things to focus on, you know, uh, just talking about what we were talking about earlier with phones and TVs in their homes and things like that. You know, just the audiovisual side of just a good sound system with the sub that's got some low end yep. and a uh, and a and a screen, a TV or something where you can show some graphics, some funny videos, mm-hmm. things like that. If you have those two things, you can accomplish ninety nine percent of everything else. You don't have to have staging and moving lights and a live band and all. You know, all that you can you can get most of what we do done from a um, large group standpoint with those two things. And as a as a frugal, borderline cheap person myself, you know learn from my mistakes. And when it comes to the audio visual stuff, get what you know is going to work and not what you hope is going to work, but is 30% cheaper or or whatever the case is. When it comes to your, you know, your microphones Mm -hmm. and, you know, if you've got, you know, bands that are playing the equipment that they're playing through the soundboard that they're playing through the projector, the TV, whatever it is. I mean, we've all been in those services before, right? Where it's like, the microphone never fits anybody, and so the teacher keeps fill, filling around with it. Or if it's like a handheld mic and it cuts out every like fourth word, it's like that doesn't help anybody. Like nobody's like, well, at least we saved a couple hundred dollars. Like <laughs> that's not a good reason for those kind of things. So sometimes it's worth kicking in a little bit more, even if it hurts a little bit, knowing that it's going to last longer and it's going to work the way that it should. I was just going to say, especially if you're in a situation where you're not in a position to have loads of talented communicators at your disposal or great musicians or even do live worship or music at all through, you know, just sound and a TV, you can overcome a lot with like video teaching, you know, the video uh, teaching videos. If those are, um, if you're able to show those and people and students can hear them, hear those and see those well, you know, funny, other funny videos you show in your hosting segments, you know, leading in and out with, you know, countdowns or loops or, you know, all that stuff. Yep. That's what I'm saying. You can get a lot done with those two yeah. things. I think an important question is that, to ask is, when's the next time I'm going to potentially replace this? Yeah. Because if you're not going to replace it for 10, 15 years, put money in it. Yeah. If you're going to place it in a year, buy the cheap one. Because you know it's going to be there. You're on a, t- a ticking clock already. But the next time you have a chance to ask the board for money for a soundboard, it's not going to be for another however many. Yeah. Spend the money because it's not going to come around by the time you're gone. Yeah. Um, so you're <laughs> basically buying a soundboard for the next guy. So make sure there's a good one. Well, it's just kind of funny that you say that because when I first started in ministry, we had an overhead projector where I would slide the transparent. Yes. And they're like, well, that's still working. First whiteboards ever, right? You could write on them. Yeah. Real time (laughs) editing. Real time. Mm -hmm. But I remember the board saying, well, does does something break? (laughs) No, but maybe we could just upgrade a bit, right? Just the wills of our students as they... As we slide the Amy Grant lyrics back Ooh. on that again. Hey, that friends was, are friends forever. Don't hate on yeah, us. That was my, uh, that was my sixth grade experience. <laughs> so what I'm hearing when we're saying, hey, what's, what's worth spending money on? What I'm hearing is 
are adult volunteers and their development. What I'm hearing is these kind of DNA experiences that we want our students to have that we know are gonna create life change. Right. And what I hear us say is, what are the, the, the weekly kind of staple programs that we know are gonna be consistent in the way that we try to develop and lead our students and their faith. And so a lot of these things really have to do with our strategy and our mission and our vision. So how important do you think it is for us to have some of those things kind of developed and clear for us in order to make sure that we have, you know, a healthy budget with however much money it is? Yeah, I think you have to sit down and decide, you know, maybe even go through an exercise. You know, I've seen churches do before that is helpful. A couple of exercises. One of those is is to go, okay, if we could only do one thing in our student ministry, what would it be? Yep. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes people land on like, you know, provide incredible small group leaders for their students. Like you were saying, Charlie, spending a, a lion's share of your budget on your leaders, you know, that probably came from somebody somewhere sat down and said, our leaders are the most important thing in our ministry mm-hmm. in order to lead students to Jesus. So let's let's prioritize that and then go on and say, okay, if we can only do two things, if we can only do yeah. three things, and that kind of just helps you frame out what are the things that are important in your ministry and how can you budget toward that? Well, I think from an outsider perspective, like when the board or people in your church begin to evaluate your budget, they know it's important to you and to your ministry. Mm-hmm. I think, too, tell them the story of why you need what it is you need, Um, putting it Mm -hmm. in in terms of students, that we need a projector. Why? Well, because we want to put cool graphics up. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, because it's better. Why? Well, okay, so talk about reaching a new generation that Jeff over here, he's really into graphics. He's playing Fortnite all the time. He's, He's on his phone, and that is an interface that he's comfortable with. So when our interface goes up and you can see every pixel, it makes him think these things. So help them understand in terms of students how you can impact a student by buying a computer or yeah. how what it is that they're spending, how that is directly, draw the line for them. Because of the reason they're not maybe willing to is they don't know how that line connects from A to B, how this thing can get that kid here. Yeah. So help them by drawing the picture and telling the story and keep it in terms of stories, not numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's important. Because if what they're going to ask you is how many kids will this net us? Well, it's not about that. It's about connecting students to Jesus, and this helps us get there. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about how we can maybe save some money. So we've got a budget. We know how important it is for us to have a mission, have a vision, a place we're going so that our budget kind of aligns with with those things. So within that budget, though, what are some ways in your experience that you've found that you can kind of stretch that dollar a little bit further or make that budget last a little bit longer? There's always kids in your ministry that have, right? Mm -hmm. There are always kids who have and parents who have. And so when they're willing to give and to pay for, then the kids who do not have have an opportunity to participate. And there's always a family that wants to see the other kid come that maybe doesn't have the opportunity. And it's not a big hardship for them to pay for two kids. And so it's always asking those folks who you know and to Know your people. Know your people. Know your I think people. knowing your people is huge because if you can maximize the strengths of the people in your not just your team but your church, church yeah. mm-hmm. if you can't get and can't afford pizza, there is that mom or dad who just loves to grill, who loves to bake, who loves to make stuff. Man, give them the opportunity. Hey, I know you love to bake. Would you love to bake this Sunday for our yeah. thing we're doing? And what that means is getting to know them. That you have to take the time because again, if you don't have money, 
then you do have time. Yeah. Like if you have time, then you, it's, it works both ways. So since you have to go and invest in people, you're going to not only learn more, but that's great PR to get more people involved and find out what they have. If there's somebody at your church that owns a boat, yep. that's an outing for a small group instantly. Uh, don't go rent five boats. If you, there are people who have boats, employ them in or engage them in the ministry. Find out who's got what. Like if there's somebody connected to a lumber yard and you want to build a set. Yep. What, where's the scrap lumber? Is there any way we can? And by the way, you have the absolute kind of trump card when it comes to getting stuff it's a tax exemption letter yeah <laughs> make the ask and ask everyone ask every business within 100 miles and have that letter on tap all the time yep because we i've never got i've never purchased a pool table and i've had 10 pool tables i've had all of them donated by private parties and by businesses yeah because the, some businesses need a tax break Yep. They actually have a certain percentage of their income that has to be designated for that. So, Make man, the ask. ask and don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, that's what one of the things that, that I learned is never be afraid to ask, but be someone that others can say no to easily. Nice. So, you know, in, in, in church world, you know, one of the things that I try to do, like know, know your church, know, know who the people are. Right who were grandparents mm. and their kids grew up in this youth ministry and loved it and flourished. And so they've got a soft spot for, for the youth ministry or know that retired CEO who's doing all right. Um, you know, know who those people are and don't, don't hesitate to be able to go to them and say, Hey, you know, listen, we've got our, our big summer trip that's coming up where, you know, there's four kids that we're looking to scholarship. If there's anything that you can do to help some of them out, I, you know, I would I would love to be able to hear what what that could be like. But if not, don't sweat it. No, no big deal whatsoever. Because people just, know yeah. when they're just feeling kind of guilted mm -hmm. into something. And so inviting people into kind of a partnership with what you're saying. Yeah, not just the the individuals, but the groups. When I showed up at the church I'm at, they said the first group you need to go to is the women's prayer group. Mm. Introduce yourself, tell your story, talk about youth ministry, and anything you need, go to them. Because that's, you're basically interviewing a financial investment institution. Yeah. They have funds that they want to invest and they want to make sure that you're legit before they invest. But man, go to them because they're waiting for you to ask. Mm. It's just about making the ask and making the ask and saying thank you after. Yep. That is oh. huge. I think most youth pastors expect and have some, uh, we can have a bit of an entitlement that, well, this is your church. These are your kids. Of course you're giving to it. Right. And I'm on to the next thing. Once the trip's over, thank you notes has always been part of, if you receive any stuff from anyone, whether it's us as a youth ministry or using an individual to get on a trip, part of the experience is the thank you notes after. Um, and I'd even pictures. Students. Yeah, pictures. Yeah. Students write them. Students write their yep. story, why they were impacted by camp. Mm. And then that women's prayer group is more likely to support next year. Absolutely. Too. They will. So a few different pieces that are just really practical things. I think that the tax deductible one is huge. Don't go to places expecting, but don't be afraid to ask for discounts, scholarships, and like nonprofit pricing for things. There are, whether it's, whether it's businesses, I mean, even here at Orange with XP3, the curriculum stuff that we do, is that there's a cost for things, but when people reach out to us and they say, hey, listen, here, here's my budget for this year. Can you guys help me? 
we, we, we try to work with situations like that. And I know that when I was on staff at church and I'm going around and I'm trying to buy different equipment, I'm always asking, hey, do you guys do any nonprofit pricing? And it's not, you're not you know, being smug about it and expecting them to be like, yes, you can have it for free. Oh, a nonprofit, how wonderful you've given your life to Tina. Like, that's not what- <laughs> We're like, so glad you've come in to ask for free things. Yeah, that's not what Thank I'm you. expecting, but at least being willing to say like, oh yeah, by any chance, you know, I, this is for a church, I always you say, guys do, do you have a coupon pricing? available? Yeah. Is there a coupon? <laughs> yeah. So just don't be afraid to ask those things. Fully being expecting to be told like, no, we don't. <laughs> like it's the normal cost for things. But And there's another way ask. to have funds trickle in under residuals. There's programs at Kroger and Target and even Amazon Smile. that You can sign your youth group up where people give a number and monies can trickle in underneath those things so that you can have kind of money building and building and building for special things and make everybody aware. Yeah. Let every, I think that's maybe sometimes what we don't do. Not only do we not ask, but we, not, we don't educate. Yeah. Um, let them know how they can give without necessarily dropping a check every time you ask, but through their normal everyday lives, contribute and invest in youth ministry. Man, that makes it so easy. Yep. Um, Everyone shops on Amazon, right? right? Amazon Smile's an easy way to add yeah. to your budget. I think another way to save money is not only those things you're talking about inside your own church, but also partnering with some other churches that you might build a relationship with, especially in the idea of maybe um, sets for your large group. Like if you, if uh, maybe you or maybe two or three churches get together and each build a different kind of set or background, and then a few months later, you all kind of rotate yeah. and trade, and then a few months later, you all kind of rotate and trade, and then you basically got three cool sets for the year for your for the price of one um those kinds of things work well yeah too. when i when i was on staff at a church in indianapolis we had a handful of churches that were using xp3 and thinking orange and all those things we would get together and kind of plan a semester and think through okay oh this would be it, this would be awesome to do a stage piece like this none of us could afford to do that on our own mm-hmm. and then we kind of made plans on okay you do this series here you do this series here yep. and we even kind of ended up talking through ways of like, how about you come to my church and speak on this week? Because that would be cool and I'll come to your church. So it just kind of created a completely different, like, yeah, we're saving money, but it just created a different level of kind of networking, community, some pieces like that. Same goes for camps or events. You know, I've seen several churches partner together and be able to pool their resources for like a weekend um, event. And when they do that, they could maybe put on the production experience, you know, speakers or music or things yeah. like that. When they come together, multiple churches, then if that each individual church tried to pull off that same event alone. Absolutely. I think too, partnering with the other ministries in your church, like if mm-hmm. you need a thousand, you know, marbles, check with the children's ministry. Yeah. They probably have it. And it works both ways then. If they come and they need a hundred for noodles and you just happen to have them, you know, just clean all the blood or whatever it is off of them, <laughs> they can use them. Um, and I think giving and being generous instead of staking out your territory yeah. with this is our stuff, yep. which by the way, all of your stuff, you're going to leave there whenever you leave. <laughs> so it's not actually your stuff. So be willing to be generous back and forth, not only with other churches, but with the people right in your own office. So be- even if you uh, tweak the actual object that's supposed to be yeah. used for that, for something similar that the Maybe the children's ministry does have you know a hundred of those yeah. things, and you could really accomplish the same thing with whatever they yeah. already have on hand. Yeah. Um, but I've worked with some fellow youth pastors that never returned anything. <laughs> Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah. Mm, never returned? No, anything? never. No. So don't be How that. How many times don't did you work be with that them? lender yeah. or that that borrower at least? <laughs> okay, so one of the elephants in the room when we talk about budget is fundraisers. 
Womp, womp, womp. Sorry, they're my favorite. So I love them. I know that there are, I mean, if you're listening to this, you could be at a church that ranges from, hey, we do a fundraiser every couple months, and it's like selling frozen Little Caesars pizzas, and it's making Easter eggs, and it's doing car washes. And there are some of you that are listening that are like on your knees every day praising Jesus that your youth ministry doesn't have to do fundraisers. So across the board, we're probably in all these different places. So in, in your experience, let's kind of keep this one quick. Do you have any kind of fundraiser hacks of like, hey, here's my thoughts on fundraisers, or if you're doing them, here's how you can make them successful? Do big ones. Okay. Don't do car washes. Uh, one that we've done is called the Super Bowl. You can take this and steal it. We do a soup and chili cook-off um, on Super Bowl Sunday right after service, and then a dessert auction uh, right as that's kind of happening. Uh, we give away the Silver Ladle Award. We get, it's a really nice trophy. And here's the great thing. They, the church makes the soups. They make the chili. They make the dessert. And we sell it back to them. <laughs> it's Suckers. genius. This is brilliant. It's not, I didn't come up with it. Somebody else did. But I've never raised a small amount of money on this. And it's exciting. Like yeah. when you're literally auctioning, like, hey, there's $5, there's $25, there's 30 And they get competitive because some of them get upset yeah. when they don't get their pie. But I would say don't do a small, don't do 10 car washes. Find big ones yeah. and make them relational too. Mm. Like don't just, this isn't just a task for kids to get done so that you can get your money. Make sure that you are spending time with students and making it fun because fundraisers can be fun. They don't have to be a beating. Um, fundraisers. I see what you mm. did there. Mm. <laughs> I was so thankful. I served a church for many years where they supported us completely and awesome. I never had a fundraise. But my latest church had a huge fundraiser, and I thought it was just going to put me in the grave early. <laughs> I, I was not prepared for the stress of what a fundraiser really was yeah. and how to make it work financially. Is it even worth it? You're talking you get two bucks a pumpkin? Come yeah. on. I don't know. It, it was weird for me to step into that, and it was so stressful. And so y'all that fundraise every week... I feel for you. Yeah. I, you know, my, my experience, I've, I've experienced both of those and kind of like JM said, you know, if you, if you've got to do some sort of fundraisers, if you get to do, if you, if you get to, you, you don't know. have to, you get to, uh, I, we had to, <laughs> <laughs> same. He couldn't even go along with no, it. Yeah, no. He's, He's right. right. Sorry, JM. He's, right. He's right. Um, I would rather do you know, a one or two a year that right. you invest some time in that you know is going to get a good return than kind of nickel and dime your congregation essentially all year long with all these, you know, all these different pieces. The one thing that I've learned in the last few years is that the way that we would always do youth fundraisers apparently might not be kosher with United States tax law, uh, which I didn't know. But the whole idea of doing a fundraiser and if students do the fundraiser for however many hours, they get however much money based on how much the fundraiser makes, that, that might not be legal. So spoiler so, alert, if you do that, turn your thing off right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> so delete any evidence that you listen to this podcast and knew that. Or have a conversation with a bookkeeper and figure out, because from what I've heard, there are some things with nonprofits and with labor laws and different things like that. But that might be something that you want to look into a little bit more. And that might be an excuse for you if you're like, man, I really don't want to do fundraisers. You could go to the board and be like, yo, fundraisers are illegal. I'm not doing anymore. So nice. however you choose to use that information. What about finding specific people within your church to like sponsor students for camps or mission trips or things yeah. like that? Does that fall into that same thing or is that usually totally okay? 
No, I think that's fine. I think because there, there's no services being rendered or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're not ex- basically exploiting child labor. That they'll, <laughs> you'll come and mow my lawn for less than I could pay somebody else to right. do it for. I think too, it matters about if you're doing it for a whole year and I'm sitting on an account versus this is for this trip. Mm-hmm. And that also helps streamline your fundraisers. So you're not, you don't want to be the bookkeeper for the whole year for the kid who shows up to the fundraiser in January and doesn't show up until the next January. Yeah. And you're, and he's like, hey, I think I still have $300 in my account. And you're like, why am I still? Yeah. It's like an 89 page spreadsheet because oh, of all the mercy. events that have happened since then. So making each fundraiser specific to each event is helpful. That way you can also tell who's on board for this event. Yep. And you're not bleeding that fundraiser to kids who aren't even going. Yeah. So specific fundraisers connected to specific events keeps it clean. Okay, so final question. We'd all love more money in our budgets. So what are some what are some ideas, what are some things that you've experienced on how you can raise your budget? Take care of the budget you had the year before. Okay. That so helps. be a good steward. And also, I think it's important to ask the question. I think sometimes we're nervous when we talk about money with our leadership like it's somehow dirty to do that. Like, oh, that's a naughty thing. We shouldn't be talking about money here in the church area. But I think it's, it's cool to ask them, hey, what would I need to do to have my budget increased? What are the parameters under which you could see our number going up? Yeah. Um, if we take care of our money this year, does that help us next year? I started a church where they said, well, if you didn't spend all the money that you had last year, well, then mm-hmm. the smaller budget that you actually spent, that's closer to what you need. So we're going to give you that. Yeah. So our incentive was basically spend it all. Actually right. overspend your budget because then they're like, oh, I guess we need to grow it. But I would not advise that. <laughs> um, I would ask the question, what is it that we would need to do to help increase our budget? Because we want to be faithful stewards and... We don't know what, what, what are the rules. Yep. You know what I mean? For me, I feel like when I went before our financial committee asking for more funds, it was personal stories from the students mm-hmm. that were impacted, families that were impacted by the ministry. I felt like that gave me a little bit more leverage when I began to ask for more than $500 a year. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I might have jumped the gun on this with the question before, but I think going to some individuals mm-hmm. um, and asking them for something specific, like to sponsor a student to go on a mission yeah. trip or to a camp or things like that, sometimes those things help. Sometimes There are just some people that will give to something very specific yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, too, having a wish list is important, like not just regular everyday things that are happening in the youth ministry, but things outside of a budget that you're given that you know you don't want to blow your money on. But, man, it'd be cool if we had... Yes. It'd be great if we had this so that when people do come along, either with special giving or say, hey, what what do you need in youth ministry? Don't mention any of the things inside your budget you already had thought of. Yep. The things on the side that are kind of like your dreams. Yeah. Your dream. The dream list. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Big dreams. Um, So a bus. So two things with that. (laughs) Number one, Amazon wish lists are golden. Are awesome ideas. Publish those. You know, most of those are kind of the things that we're talking about. Like, I mean, you look at your games for the next, you know, six weeks, six months, whatever you know, you add all those things to your Amazon wish list and you essentially just get after the congregation and you're like, hey, you know, this is this is the, the wish list of all the different things we need. You don't have to get them from Amazon, whatever. But if anyone wants to help out, this is a great way to help out. And maybe you throw that soundboard on there or some different things like that. But if you have those big ticket items like you're talking about, I always would try to write up proposals for that mm. to kind of give it a story and give yep. it some context and cast Rational, some vision yeah. on, on okay, yes, this is going to cost four grand, but here's, here's what I think this would lead mm-hmm. to. And here's what 
I think the ways that this is going to benefit us so that I can go to the senior pastor and say, hey, I, you know, here's this. I've really been thinking about this. I'd love for you to read this, you know, to the board and figure out if there's anything that that we can do. And and a couple times, even outside of our budget, have had some money kind of released to us because it's been a situation where it's like, hey, you've put some thought into this. The board agrees that they think that, you know, you guys could definitely use this. It sounds like that it could be a good strategy. So, hey, here's the $1,200. Here's the $3,000. Here's the $400, whatever it is. Go ahead and, and move forward with this. And I think too, passion is important, but numbers numbers sell. So make mm-hmm. sure that when you have the story, connect it also with here are the real time numbers and don't fudge those ever. Yeah. Because I think in youth pastors, we have a real problem with, we sacrifice our personal integrity in front of the adults for the sake of the students. And we mm-hmm. fudge those numbers sometimes so that we can get for our kids what our kids really need, except that we'll stop getting those things because they won't believe us the next time. So be, in fact, overestimate. And then you look like a genius because you look how much money we saved. Yeah. Um, you know, sell the Cadillac. And then if you don't need that, be able to come in under that. Man, you want to talk about making a finance board member really excited about how you didn't spend the whole amount. Well, what would you like to do with the rest of it? Yeah. Is their next question. <laughs> um, but make sure that you come. We came. We had a bus proposal that we just put together. Um, and my middle school pastor was in charge of the numbers. And he gave them 10 pages worth of data. <laughs> and you want to know what? He sent it to them a week in advance. And they had read it all because mm. people who jump on the finance committee, they'll read it all. <laughs> so give it all to them. They want to know about safety and numbers about this particular kind of us. We do the research and show up informed because if you look like you don't know what you're talking about, I would be nervous about giving my money to somebody right. who wasn't sure yeah. about what it is they were going to do and where it was going to go and how long it was going to last. It's and, like going on Shark Tank. Yep. <laughs> but really, though. <laughs> And so, JM, you kind of alluded to some of this. We've all kind of talked about this in some way, but I think one of the greatest ways to get your budget raised is to cast vision, is to make sure that your senior pastor, your executive pastor, uh, your board of directors, your SPRC, whoever it is, that they know where you're going, what direction you have, the, the, the picture of the preferred future that you're working toward, and use stats, use research to kind of back that stuff up. Um, and Barna, maybe this is a little bit outdated. I think this is from probably 10, 12 years ago, but they said that only 6% of Christians become Christians after the age of 18. So if you go to your church and if you've got, you know, sticky faith, phase information, Barna information like this that says, listen, 94% of Christians make a decision before they're 18 years old, that should change the way that a church budgets their money. And so that's one of the catalysts that you can be and how you tell stories. You know, what you celebrate gets repeated. So if everybody in the church understands the life change that's happening out in the youth room or out in the youth Mm -hmm. center, there's going to be, A, you're going to have more people saying, what's going on out there? I'll get involved in that. And there's going to be far more of a willingness to invest financially into what's going on because they know that there are some big things happening. I think part of that, too, is doing a, a very intentional job of documenting everything through uh, photos and video. And you say maybe that's expensive, but I'm sure you probably have people in your church that are wanting to learn how to shoot video and edit video and are probably already really good at it and not enough of a difference from the person you'd pay down the street. Um, lots of money to do it. But every event, everything, because the problem is so many student ministries are invisible in the eyes of yep. their churches. They don't see a whole lot of what's going on. Or there's the bulletin board down the back dark yes. hallway or something like exactly. that. Exactly. And and the only place. Sometimes our descriptions just 
aren't good enough. But if you can say, yes, actually that camp or that missions trip or that event we did was unbelievable. Check this out. And there's either some quality photos of that or a very good uh, video that captures some of the emotion and life change that happened at those things. It just constantly builds credibility yep. for the, the things that you're doing, your student ministry actually making a difference. Of and asking your senior pastor, hey, can we play this before service starts on Sunday? We don't even need service time. Like, heck yeah, like let's show during the offering if you're cool with that. But if not, can we play this before? Can you guys post this not just on the youth page, but on the church page, all of those kind of things? I think too, putting our students up in front and putting their faces mm-hmm. in front of people saying, this is you know, Janelle, she went on the trip and this is what happened to her. Janelle, why don't you share your story? Yeah. And it's going to be raw and she might cry and she may need you to read it for her halfway through. Mm. But that she's a real person and that real change is happening. Man, isn't that what all of our churches want? Yeah. Yes. That there is real change happening in the lives of our students. Man, we'll give everything away for that. That is exactly what it is we want because look at Jesus happened to her. So let's keep that going. What do we need to give now? Yeah. Um, I think just the authenticity of that. Um, and the rawness is, that's part of the honest yeah. expression of Christ in you. So, yeah. All right. Budgets, big deals. Any last thoughts before we wrap this up? Yeah, I just think kind of what we touched on just last, the, just the vision of what mm-hmm. uh, we're doing. I know I think about churches that um, do a really good job of communicating life change, whether that's through um, baptisms, uh, students being able to, to share their story either live or on video, those kinds of things where I think that fight against um, the mentality that student ministry is just a bunch of games and, and shaving cream and things like that that aren't making a difference. And the more you show that students' lives are coming in contact with Jesus and being forever changed, I think that goes a long way. I don't know if I can add anything to that, right? I mean, but it is really true. That's how you expand your budget. It's how people are aware of what's happening. Be visible. Get your kids in front of folks and tell real stories. I love the rawness of it because that really the authentic piece of it is what your congregation needs to see. I think that um, remember not to be discouraged by what you don't have. Um, Maximize what you do and find out what you have by getting to know the people on your team, your congregation, and remembering that all the stuff is going to break or go away. And if mm. every technological thing that you bought malfunctioned on a night, is there still enough space for the Holy Spirit to come in and do something? Yeah. Or did you yeah. need that stuff to make it happen? Yep. I don't know that we do. I mean, we should all head out to the parking lot tonight and <laughs> see if we can just get our youth group to understand that ball. we don't I'm need that other stuff, right? Because if, if you get hit in the back of the head with a wall ball, then there's a message about forgiveness happening <laughs> instantly. Moment. Right? So, yeah, don't be discouraged about what you don't have. But, man... Look around and, and maximize what you do, especially your own face. Yeah. Just put it in front of students and tell them you love them. And then Jesus does too. Awesome. JM, hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. It's been so it fun. It was awesome having you. And it was awesome having you all listeners out there hanging out with us. Thanks for joining us for the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. We would love your thoughts on all this. What, it, what have you learned from budgeting? What questions do you have? What fundraisers actually worked for you in the past? We would love for you to check out the show notes to a link to our Facebook group where you can share some of those stories. And also in the show notes, Louie and I uh, did a breakout on budget stuff a couple years ago at Orange Conference. We're going to have that posted in there in case you want to dive a little bit deeper into this. You can listen to that. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast through your podcast app. And visit the website, rethinkingym.org, for previous episodes and for the show notes from this conversation. And until next time, thank you guys for listening. Have a great day.